Welcome to Evolutions of Astrology. This is Dina DiCastro, and on this podcast, I'll be talking with Amy Herring. We'll be discussing the progressed moon and how it operates in the chart. Using Angelina Jolie's chart, Amy provides a grounded example of the potential uses of the progressed moon. Amy is a Seattle-based astrologer and not only provides readings, but also teaches public classes on astrology in the Seattle area. She's published in local newspapers such as the New Spirit Journal and writes a monthly column for them called Heaven and Earth, Horoscopes for Real People. For more information on Amy and her services, check out www.heavenlytruth.com. So I'm here with Amy Herring, and we're going to be talking about the progressed moon in the chart. Uh, But first, Amy, I'd like you to just introduce yourself and uh, give us a sense of your background and the things that led you to be interested in astrology. Oh, okay. Well, I'm Amy Herring, as you said, (laughs) (laughs) and I'm an evolutionary astrologer in Seattle. Um, I've been doing that for, gosh, probably almost 12 years ago is when I got into astrology. And I was one of those horoscope readers, you know, didn't put much stock in it, but yet read it almost every day and just was really entertained by it. Mm-hmm. And uh, found a community education class, actually, in, in good old Utah, where I was living at the time. Wow, in Utah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, the class was really interesting. I don't know what, you know, prompted me. Do we ever know? I'm not sure. But uh, went to the class, and it wasn't a great class, but it did get me started. I uh, devoured the books they recommended uh, right away, and I just... I've never looked back. Mm-hmm. And so from that, you um, you just kind of blossomed into having an, a deeper interest that you wanted to feed. And did you go on to take other classes? Yeah, actually, uh, I was self-taught for quite a while with, um, you know, a lot of different books. Uh, I read a lot of Stephen Arroyo. He was really useful for me mm-hmm. uh, in a really grounded way. There's so much pop astrology that doesn't tell you how to really get into it deeper. And from the very beginning, I was doing charts for friends and, you know, all that kind of thing and getting feedback from them. And then uh, I finally discovered Stephen Forrest probably six years ago, maybe. And, of course, that's where you and I had met. Right. Um, And that was really where uh, I feel like he's my primary teacher at, at this point. I think it was at the, uh, there was a lecture on the 8th house at yeah. Norwalk. And that was where we, you and I didn't know each other yet, but we later discovered we were both sitting in the same room and probably <laughs> right. saw each other, but where we were both kind of introduced to Steve in person. Yes. And from there ended up at the same first session of the apprenticeship program mm-hmm. together. So that's, that's our connection. Um, so, and you and I have kind of gone a similar path with uh, Steven's work. And um, so you also brought to bear an interest in psychology and, and how do you think that that um, has informed and affected your development as an astrologer? Well, uh, there's of course so many things you can do with astrology and you can really ask so many different questions of a chart to have it tell you different answers depending on what you want to know. And what I always want to know is what is going on under the surface for people because that really motivates everything. I care less about what people are doing as to why they are doing it. And I think that really brings people insight when they want to know what, what, why they're doing what they're doing, why their patterns repeat, why they can't seem to be happy in XYZ situation. And I think that's where the real uh, therapy kind of comes in. I like to look at my uh, readings with people as, you know, single session therapy kind of to, to really give them uh, 
something to think about, something real to think about. Right. So it's it's kind of a condensed form of therapy in some ways, although it is not therapy. Yeah. Um, I've had the comment from many people, as have you, I imagine, that what they get from an astrology session often feels like a very condensed form of of therapy in a sense. It's like you can get to the root of some things very quickly yeah. with astrology as a tool. But it is very psychological, depending on how you're practicing it. Right. Mm-hmm. So now as you've, you know, developed over the past several years, what are you finding are your main areas of interest within the field? What are you focusing on? Well, uh, natal charts are really the root. I really want to help people know uh, why they're here, what the whole point is of their incarnation, and the tools that they have to, to get all that done. Mm-hmm. Um, I really also like helping fi- people find their career path. Um, you know, what it is that they're not just here to do for their soul, but what their contribution is. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I have always felt really strongly that I want to give something that is remembered, that is useful for people. And so I like to help people that are seeking that same kind of thing. Right, right. So you're using both your knowledge and awareness of psychology and interest in that, combine that with astrology to help people develop a sense of what their purpose and their path is. Exactly. And understand what's getting in their way. Yes, yes, Mm -hmm. exactly. Are there particular readings that you do that are more focused readings in terms of the birth chart? Um, I I remember you doing something about Pluto or Pluto readings for a while. Is that something you're still doing? What I actually do, um, a lot of times I'll just kind of get really interested in something, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Mars will catch my attention and, and, uh, you know, I'll do a little special for, you know, just kind of a little Mars reading uh, for people. And that those kind of things will come and go. Um, the real bulk of the readings that I do that are always available, um, are of course the full natal readings and, uh, the looking at the transits and progressions, which are basically just looking at what's going on for you now and what part of your whole life lesson you're focusing on right now. And so many questions can be answered by those two readings. That those are what I have available all the time. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, I, I do have a career reading. Well, basically, it's the same thing. It's still a natal reading, but I will make sure I exhaust every possibility talking about the career, for instance. So it's really the kind of questions that people come with, come with uh, when they when they want a reading. Mm-hmm. Now, what you're doing is um, focusing somewhat on the progress moon, at least through workshops, from what I understand. Um, and it, you've done some recent workshops in that area? Is yes, that correct? Uh, I, I held a workshop at the end of April, I believe it was. And uh, the, the actual, the transcripts and the, all the documentation and the CD is available on my website for people that still want to, that, you know, that weren't able to attend and are interested in it. Great. The progressed moon is really just such uh, a workhorse, as mm-hmm. Stephen Forrest would say. Um, it just, I, I never look, I never look at anything else first before I look at the progressed moon because it's, it's the baseline for everything else that people are experiencing at any given time. So I always start with the progressed moon. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that? Let's go deeper with that idea. Um, what is the symbolism of the progressed moon for you well, and why is it so important? Of course, the uh, the progressions are basically, and I'm referring to secondary progressions uh, of that technique. In case anyone's wondering, um, the symbolism for the progressed moon is 
it's, it's extending the, uh, what the natal moon means, which is basically your emotional self. Mm-hmm. Um, what, you, what you need to do to feel comfortable and safe, and there's so much that rides on how we emotionally feel as to you know, the actions that we take and the behaviors that we, that we have. So the progressed moon carries that further and, and says, what kind of emotional experiences are going to feed you right now? Mm-hmm. And sometimes it can be very different than what you're used to. So the heart basically turns the head, is, is my belief. Even, even the most logical person, you know, will respond to their deeper emotional needs, even if they're not realizing what's going on. Right. So when I am doing a reading for somebody, I look at their progressed moon to see how are they feeling right now, mm-hmm. and what kinds of needs are they having right now, and how can they best meet those. And that will just lay the baseline for everything else, because I talk to them from that point of view. What are your needs right now, and how can I help meet them? So do you look at that also in relation to the natal moon and how the sign of the progressed moon or the sign and house placement of that moon is jiving with the natal moon? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, if I can use a personal example, sure. my progressed moon is in uh, Sagittarius right now, and mm-hmm. my natal moon is in Virgo, and they're naturally square each other. Right. And I have found, you know, uh, it's, it's very early in, my, uh, in the Sagittarius moon cycle for me, but I've found that I need a lot of experiences that are more uh, open, that aren't so structured, that, that kind of carry me places that I might really not know where I'm going, that kind of, you know, fly by the seat of my pants. And as a Virgo moon, that makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> I feel, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm being too loud or I'm being too out of control. And so it would be very easy for me to assume that that, is, that, that kind of behavior is wrong and just wonder what's wrong with me. <laughs> you know, I've just right. been feeling weird lately. But because I can look at that and see that I need those experiences right now, I can make room for them in my life while still considering what my baseline emotional needs are, which is that Virgo natal moon. That really speaks to the tension between uh, the squares of those two signs, the, the Virgo and Sagittarius themes and how they're in tension to each other, I think. Just yeah. exactly what you described, the need for experience versus the need for a little more control and structure. Right. Uh, so that's that's got to be a little challenging for you. And yet it's, it's pushing <laughs> you to grow. <laughs> and, I just try and let it uh, push me as far as I can without not being, you know, I still need to be true to, to who I am and what I need. But I'm experiencing a lot more that just comes into my consciousness that I need to act on right away and trying to allow that to happen as much as I can stretch. Right. You're allowing that in, even though you know it makes you uncomfortable. And I guess that leads me to my next thought, which is since you know, and since you are an astrologer, you can use this knowledge consciously. And yes. this is what you can then impart to clients, I would presume, is is a sense of awareness around exactly what the tensions are so that you can know that you need to push yourself in a certain direction. Is that how you would relay it to a client then? Yes, um, exactly. And, and I want to stress that because we're talking about the moon in both situations, I actually have two conflicting needs. Mm-hmm. So it's not just that I, you know, for, you know, moral or spiritual reasons that I should do this, but I'm feeling drawn in that direction. So when I talk to a client, I'll say, this is the direction you're being drawn in right now. And if there is tension with the natal moon, I'll say, you know, I'll talk about the two different needs and how they can integrate them, but how they need to understand that they're not going to feel complete unless they allow the progressed moon's needs to surface. Because, of course, the, you know, astrology doesn't make anything happen. It's only a mirror. So they're already feeling this. I just want to bring it to light for them so they can cooperate with the process and just be happier in it. 
Do you use moon phases um, in terms of understanding this material? For example, such as we just talked about with your uh, progressed moon as square to your natal moon, it's a waxing square at this point. Do you use that, um, the, the idea of moon phases at all in interpreting the progressed moon? I do. I don't use it at every point unless I feel like it's really getting my attention. I usually use it uh, where it's becoming a full moon or where the progressed new moon is happening, where the progressed moon and progressed sun cross each other mm-hmm. or uh, things like that. So I will use prominent points, uh, not, not at every time, but when I feel like it's really, uh, there's something really important going on, like the new moon or the, uh, the, the full moon, I definitely will use those. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So can you actually take us just a little through the technical piece of what, how long it takes the progress moon to move around the wheel, you know, just for people who don't know and about how long it stays in signs and houses, etc. So people can get a sense of kind of the seasons of the progress moon. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the progressed moon, it's, it stays in a sign for a little over two years, about two and a quarter years. So it takes around 28 years to get um, all the way around the chart and back to the returning to start point. Mm-hmm. So, uh, of course, depending on which house system you use, it can you know, stay in a house roughly the same time. Uh, you know, so at least two years, typically, unless the houses are really tiny. And uh, that gives a lot of time. The progressed moon, you know, all the progressions move slowly, of course, but the progressed moon is the, the, the quickest moving of all of them. And the other, another reason why the progressed moon is such a workhorse is that it's always doing something. Mm-hmm. It's either changing signs or houses or it's making an aspect to something. Right. So there's always something useful to be learned by that. Right. So it's, it's something very active um, yeah. in terms of progressions, whereas the other progressed planets tend to take a lot longer to do something. Um, Absolutely. Even Mercury, you know, um, (laughs) it takes a while to move from one house to the next or to aspect a different planet. Yeah. So um, it's moving the fastest of anything else in the chart. It is. Um, I tend to think of the progressed moon uh, as it moves through the houses as these little modules of life, you know, these little you know, now you're going to be focusing on fourth house house issues for a couple of years and then you're going to be moving into fifth house issues, etc. Do you look at sign and house uh, really in balance with each other combined, or do you emphasize one over the other? Uh, I do look at the, them combined uh, simply because, you know, if somebody has, say, uh, Capricorn on the cusp of their fourth house, they're always going to have Capricorn there. So when the moon crosses into Capricorn, they're already attuned to, you know, Capricorn comes with fourth house issues. Mm-hmm. So it absolutely makes sense. Um, when I will make a distinction, I, I'll still always talk about the sign and house that it's in. I, I will never exclude one. But I do make a distinction when the moon has just crossed into a sign, but yeah. is still in the middle of a house, mm-hmm. or you know, the, the opposite, where, a moon, where the moon has just crossed into a house, but is still in the middle of a sign, simply right. because we're really aware of what has just shifted in us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I really look at that as saying, now you're feeling, you know, X, whereas opposed you were feeling Y. Kind mm-hmm. of That's a very useful thing in readings, I think, to be able to give uh, kind of a grounded example of something that just recently happened. Oh, yes. Even when you're not, you're not going into the future at all, you're just looking at what has just recently happened to give a context for the person so they can yeah. actually ground it in their personal experience. 
Yes, especially because they, I mean, we, you know, <laughs> we don't really know the future. We can say how things are going to be developing, but they don't have any kind of, we don't have any kind of grasp that, as we do of the past. And, you know, life is continual. We're coming from that place. So it matters where you're coming from yes. uh, and where you're going. You know, I think definitely we're not predicting the future with the progress moon if we're coming from an evolutionary perspective, but we're just looking at what themes are headed our way down the road. Exactly. Okay. And it's even less biographical than some things are, um, because I'm talking about how you're going to feel. And so, and I think that's the most uh, important for somebody, because when they talk about how they're, when we talk about how they're going to feel, they can make their own decisions about what's going to, how that's going to prompt them in their life. Um, you know, and I can talk about where it is in the house, so where they're going to see it show up in their life, you know, if it's in the sixth house versus the eleventh house or things like that. But the feeling is really what starts everything. That's what starts the longing. That's what starts the inkling for people to start actually taking action. So it's more internal versus external. It is, although I certainly will, um, you know, place it in the life so they can start really seeing where it's going to show up. You know, I, I really want to always keep it grounded. Well, it would make sense, though, that um, if you're feeling a certain way and you have certain needs, and, we, and we're talking about the moon and the progressed moon in terms of needs, then that would dictate a lot of your outward actions. Or it could. really would. It starts there. Yeah. Absolutely. A really good example um, is the, the progressed uh, or, or the, uh, yeah, the progressed lunar return, which happens around age 28, and that precedes your Saturn return, mm -hmm. um, which is kind of a different subject. But the, the progressed moon, when it comes back, it's like a coming home. It's a remembering what's important to you, and that paves the way for the big work that you're going to do as your Saturn returns. But that's a couple of years ahead. So you need to take time to really see what you feel and what's important for you in order for those actions to come out from all that discovery. And the progress lunar return happens for most people at two points in their life, right? Because yes. of that cycle. So they have the one that's just before the, the first Saturn return and then a second one in their early to mid fifties. Mid fifties, yeah. yeah. So it really gives two opportunities for this kind of shift and emotional change, uh, sea change, I guess, in your right. life. So do you find that you do have people coming to you more uh, that are at these pivotal points or these transition points in their life involving the moon? Have you seen that phenomenon at all? I have, although, you know, what I usually find is that people have come to me um, just a little bit after the shift has happened because since it's, we're talking about the moon, we're talking about a lot of um, unconscious needs that are starting to surface. Yeah. So it kind of takes a while for someone to sit with that to realize, oh, it's not just a phase. It's not just a mood. I really am changing what's going on. And, and it takes a while for you to recognize that yeah, I am different than I was two months ago. You know, mm -hmm. it takes a little bit of living to really recognize that. Right. So I guess, you know, I'd like to talk too about some of those important uh, progress moon points. And you already mentioned the progress lunar return. What about the progress new moon that she mentioned earlier? What are some of the effects that you that you see from that? Well, the progress new moon um, is very, very subtle. There's a profound shift that happens just, you know, kind of at, at, at the most deepest point. Something new is being born. And so it really feels like kind of a blind time, honestly. It's a perfect time. You know, I, I mean, I would always uh, kind of endorse intuition uh, for people to be listening to, you know, how they're feeling, certainly. But I, I would really stress it at this time because you don't know where you're going. You're entering a completely new cycle, uh, a, a very long, complete new cycle that's at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And so you don't really have anything to go off of yet. Um, 
it's sort of like you're just sort of steering by your heart, and so you proceed ahead as best you feel because you really don't have any other data. Mm-hmm. So it's just, you know, the new moon is, is a perfect statement for it. It's a new time. Mm-hmm. And what I mean when I say a, a blind time, uh, that sounds like a bad thing, but, you know, we think of the symbolism with the new moon. If we were to look up at the sky at any point where, where the moon is new, we can't see it. Mm-hmm. But we, we sense it's there, and as the moon progresses through its phases and starts to get that crescent, we have kind of the dawning of light. And that's really what's happening in us. You know, at the, at the new moon time, we can't see what's going on inside of us. We just feel it. We feel something's coming. Mm-hmm. There's a kind of expectant phase. And as the, the progressed moon dawns and start to get, starts to get light, we start to recognize and work enough consciously with the energy that we start to realize that we have entered a new cycle and maybe get some glimmers of what that cycle is about. Right, right. So uh, just, you know, looking at um, celebrities' charts, we had discussed earlier and before the show that we might take a sample chart to look at how the progressed moon might be enacting in a certain person's chart to see if we could come up with some real-world triggers and events that would reflect um the kind of progressed moon themes that were going on for them. Yeah, absolutely. So, so we came up with Angelina Jolie's chart um, as she's a very visible person. <laughs> right. <laughs> About as visible as you can get. Um, her whole life has pretty much been public for the past five years or so, it seems like. And uh, so this would be a good celebrity chart, I think, to use. And just for those out there who want to follow along in astrology land, her birth data is June 4th, 1975. 909 a.m. Los Angeles, California. So if you would just like to tell me what you know about where her progressed moon has been and how that's been affecting and influencing her life as you see it. Well, uh, first, of course, I want to look at, I just kind of look at the whole chart and see sort of what's going on for her. I see um, some activity in her ninth and 11th house with her moon in the ninth house, her sun in the 11th house. Mm -hmm. So I, I kind of already see the glimmers of wanting to be active. Uh, you know, in the world, in the bigger picture. Right. Um, with the natal moon, we always want to start an- understanding that so that we can see her progression. Yeah. Her natal moon is in Aries in the ninth house. So her heart is really uh, kind of brought to life. Her needs are met by stepping out into the world and seeing all the differences and experiencing all the differences. You know, so um, living in the same place she always has with never going anywhere, never seeing anything new is, is really going to depress her, is going to hurt her spirit because she is so motivated to see outside her own little world. So that's a, that's a natal urge that will always be with her. Right. Now, and she's, she's got quite a, a full ninth house, actually. She does. Um, so the ninth house terrain being that the sense of exploration, adventure, other cultures, other places, foreign lands. Yes. Um, it's really kind of um, the education and the quest for education, but not in the formal sense, not always. You know, most often we learn so much when we just step out of our own world and into somebody else's. Mm-hmm. And that's right. really the experience of the ninth house at its best, I think. So with her natal moon being there, that means then that that is a, and it's kind of an essential need for her or? Yes. Mm-hmm. And it always will be present. Right. Yes. Right. So then I looked to just see, um, kind of in recent years, you, you know, what really interested me actually is when she started to get involved with the UN. 
uh, it just seems like her life took a, took a, just a, a left turn, you know, at that point. We were, you know, kind of used to her as, uh, you know, movie star. She was kind of wild and crazy with Billy Bob, you know, <laughs> um, with the vials of blood and the making out in the, in the, in the limos and all those kinds of things. And um, it seems like her life opened up to more, uh, more important things, more profound things in her life that she could do with her life besides, you know, just kind of the narrow world of L.A. Right. So I really wanted to look at, I just looked up a couple of dates as to when she joined the UN and kind of uh, the, the first experience that really prompted her to care about these kind of issues. And so that was about, uh, that was early 2001. Mm-hmm. Uh, in March 2001 is when she actually became uh, an ambassador for the UN. So what I want to do, actually, is look at the year before that, because like I said, with the progressed moon, we feel the emotion first, and that starts to prompt us to action. Right. So I wanted to look at what was happening for her with her progressed moon before that and see how that was kind of building. Yeah. So in uh, early 1999, her progressed moon entered Pisces, and this was still in the middle of her eighth house. So um, a shift happened in her, but it was very internal. The eighth house is very internal. So it's the inner world and uh, the inner desires and facing some issues about herself. So she had to face some emotional issues. And as the progressed moon moved into Pisces, suddenly I'm sure her world uh, got bigger. She could feel people next to her, feel people ne- people's needs. Her compassionate center was just opened. And that might have been actually really uh, kind of a rude awakening for her because uh, Pisces is such an open energy without any boundaries. And coming from Aquarius, where her progressed moon was before, she was more focused on her own signature, you know, what, what being true to herself really meant. And now she took that true self and opened it up to feel other people around her, to feel their needs. And it probably was a little bit overwhelming mm-hmm. for her at first. So that was probably where the first inkling started of, you know, there's a greater world out there than my, you know, charmed life. Right. And wanting to reach out to others probably started in 1999. And, you know, what also comes to mind with Aquarius is a sense of uh, potentially being a little more detached or um, more head oriented than emotion oriented. Just because it's an air sign versus a water sign. Yes. Mm -hmm. So as it moved into the water sign, suddenly, you know, she she felt so much more um, almost unbidden probably, you know, as people around her, she started to pick up on what they needed and and things started to affect her more deeply than they had before, I'm sure. As it was crossing um, into the ninth house, about what point did that happen? That happened in the middle of 2000. Mm -hmm. And she'd already felt some promptings all through 2000. The progressed moon was squaring her Neptune, then it came to square her sun. And all of those things, you know, both of those things are in the 11th house. The 11th house is where we, again, where we step outside of ourselves and start to view the community at large. And obviously the community for her was really big, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. encompassed almost the whole world. And just So she a... already had these kinds of uh, promptings, this sort of uh, tension building of, you know, what can I do? I feel these things, but I need to do something about it. So just as a side note, uh, when the progressed moon transits to a planet, about how long is that in effect? You know, it's probably its strongest for only a couple of months. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, maybe I'd probably say probably three to four months at the max, you know, where it goes through that whole cycle um, of approaching it and then uh, leaving off of the aspect, separating from it. So it was squaring that Neptune and that sun previously at certain points, but for maybe a couple months 
at a time during that window. It was the for a couple of months, mm-hmm. yeah. So it became exact, uh, Neptune became exact in January, and the, and the square to sun came, became exact in April. But we can see just kind of a natural flow. You know, it didn't let off, you know, where the progressed moon squared Neptune. As that started to relax, uh, it opened up to the square to the sun. So there was all this pressure to do something, do something. Not right. to feel, but to go somewhere with it. So a bit of a crisis then, a bit of a, a that yeah, square crisis. Yeah, and probably of a spiritual nature with, with Neptune and with Pisces, again, asked to be open, asked to uh, reach out to others beyond your world. Mm-hmm. Right. So the progressed moon then entered the ninth house, and that was the middle of uh, 2000 in July. And that was probably where it started to become really visible for her as it, be, as it kind of emerged out of the depths of her own soul. And she really started looking around. So I would imagine, you know, she was kind of primed and ready at this point to start the work she was going to do. As progressed moon trined Saturn, that was uh, just the next month in August. And so that was a cooperative effort. Now it was really time to do something. Now it was actually time to make it real, make it really happen. And Saturn is in her 12th house. So again, there's that sense of wanting to reach out to the people at large, to recognizing that we are... Uh, part of a community, part of a, a, a spirit family. We're not just as separated and isolated as we sometimes think we are. So this is a whole evolution for her um, until finally, you know, it, it started to uh, warm up to, it actually hit Vesta, which mm-hmm. is an asteroid. Um, it hit Vesta shortly after, just a few months after that. And uh, that's kind of the call to do something as well. So hit after hit until finally it starts to enter Aries, and, and by that time she was already an ambassador for the UN. It hit Aries uh, in 2001, September 2001, and so she was well on her way answering the call to, to actually make it real, to make something happen. And then it looks like she's gearing up for her progress lunar return then, correct? Yes, um, that actually happened uh, just a year later in October of 2002. And what's interesting is, uh, you know, she was well on the way, um, again, to that development of honing in on her, her natal moon needs as it enters Aries, the ninth house. That's where her natal moon already is. So waking up to that call is really important. And in March of 2002 is when she adopted Maddox, who was her uh, first adopted child. And that happened while uh, the moon was opposed to her Pluto. So Pluto, um, having that triggered, is basically like the deepest manifestation you can get. It's taking, your, uh, taking what you see that hurts you and turning it into power. And so I think she saw uh, the hurt you know, in this child and reached out to them. And, of course, we're talking about the progressed moon, which often you know, has themes of nurturing. Uh, motherhood is one uh, common expression of nurturing, the desire to nurture. So mm-hmm. as that happened, she adopted Maddox. And that was the progressed moon then opposing Pluto, Pluto or natal in, Pluto. In March, yes, mm-hmm. of 2002. And then the, the cycle was completed and a new cycle began in October of 2002 as her, uh, her progressed lunar return happened and a kind of awakening, probably a rededication of, yes, this is where I'm going for as long as I can see now in this life. Right. And so I can really see with all of those different aspects going on of the progress moon to her natal planets, there's quite a few in there. Um, is that about the norm or does that seem more than kind of the average uh, amount of, of aspects for that time frame? 
for well, you? Well, you know, like I said, the, the progressed moon is always doing something because mm-hmm. it happens to move kind of quickly, but with enough time for us to really build up the momentum and the understanding of it. So I'd say um, it's close to typical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it depends on, um, you know, what's happening, and it might not always be squares. It might be trines. It might be, you know, all these kinds of things. It's very unique, but I'd say that it does hit in that kind of time frame because it takes two years for the sign or the moon to go through a whole sign. So that's quite a lot of ground covered. So I can see the potential power then of the progressed moon as a tool and being able to to tell us some of these things by the fact that it is always doing something, by the fact that we can glean all this information from the aspects that it's making. Yes, absolutely. And of course, we, you know, looking at a full reading, we want to see what else was happening for her. But just by the progressed moon, we can see her emotional progression. And again, that's where everything starts. So Mm -hmm. it's so critical to see where it's beginning, what the real desire is. In fact, in the workshop that I just did, that's why I really wanted to present it to people. And there were actually some astrological novices in there. Mm -hmm. Because the progressed moon, you can almost... I, I wouldn't, you know, endorse plucking something out of the chart. The whole picture is always important. Yeah. But you can almost do that with a progressive moon and just use it as an emotional timer for yourself. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So currently, where is her progressive moon? Well, actually, her progressive moon now has moved um, about two signs away. It's hitting her. It, it, the progressive moon is coming to her natal sun right now as we speak, in fact. Um, so something probably pretty emotionally powerful is happening in her life as we talk about this. And, of course, it's, it's carrying forward in the cycle that she started. So I, I have no doubt that the, the urge to reach out is still continuing. But being that kind of humanitarian and uh, trying to open those doors outside of her, outside of her life into, in, in other worlds is really ha- still continuing for her. Mm-hmm. Right. And she's still continuing to do that work that she yeah. started at the beginning of the cycle. I, and I wouldn't be surprised in the next couple of months we, you know, hear her in the, in the news again doing something amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, good. Well, that, you know, really gives us some grounded examples of how this progressed new moon works and how it functions in the chart and how you use it in particular. Oh. Yeah. And so that's basically what you would go through with a client, except the difference is uh, in a reading, you would look at the whole picture and all, all different transits and progressions being weighed I would. But uh, you tend to start then in your presentation with the progressed moon? I do. I always do. In my understanding of the chart as well as my presenting it to the client, uh, because that will serve as a foundation. I reach them first before I tell them what's going on. And so the, the, the foundation is always the progressed moon. How you're feeling is, is really what I want to talk to somebody about first so that everything else I say makes sense in that context for them. Now, when you are looking at a chart and uh, you're trying to give someone some grounded everyday advice on how to move through these shifts, let's say if they're going through uh, a shift of the progressed moon from one house to another, what are some pieces of advice or uh, tools that you might give them to do that? And you might want to use a particular um, house set as an example. Well, first of all, I definitely want to start with where they've been. Um, especially because where they've been has been a two-year cycle, but they're, they're shifting right now, let's assume. And they're going to be feeling that. In my experience, actually, people have been feeling it um, a couple of months before it happened. They kind of sense something's coming. Yeah. And uh, I've, I've seen that time and time again. So, you know, even if it was a couple months before it shifted, I would be talking to that person about the next cycle they're going to go into. And so we have to lay the context first, you know, where you've been. 
So let's, like, for example, let's use uh, from the fifth to the sixth house. If the moon were shifting from the fifth house into the sixth house, what would I say? Mm-hmm. Um, of course, taking the, the sign into account, as I always would, um, that would give it more. But let's just look at the fifth, sixth. In the fifth house, there was more creative exploration. There was kind of, it, it was necessary to play, to, to wake your heart up, to feel like life's worth living. And that's what the fifth house is about, is exploring your own creativity, um, just kind of being more spontaneous, more open, um, more yourself in a kind of comfortable way and not being afraid to show that self. That's kind of the fifth house experience. Mm-hmm. So there's kind of a, a laid-back kind of feeling about the fifth house. Again, assuming that all things are equal, we'd look at the rest of the chart. But um, that's where they're probably coming from, is, and, and hopefully it's been enjoyable for them. When they're at the end of a cycle, they're used to it at that point. So they'll be able to recognize what I'm talking about. And they've probably gotten it right. You know? yeah. uh, they've been able to experience it in the best that it has to offer during that cycle. Then I'll say the sixth house, it's going to feel um, a little bit different because you're kind of riding on this wave of self-creativity and self-exploration, and it tends to feel good. Mm-hmm. You know, it does. As we move into the sixth house, um, <clears throat> things kind of slow down a little bit. Now you're starting to say it's not enough just to play. I, I really want to sink my teeth into something. You're in the mood to work. Mm-hmm. So all this kind of self-creativity now that's, that has been, you know, this kind of playfulness that has been appropriate for you is going to feel a little bit silly as you move into <laughs> the sixth house. You're going to want something more serious, um, something that really has substance, that you feel like I'm really doing something, I'm really being useful, not just kind of taking up space and, and having a good time. Right. So there's a kind of maturing that can happen in that attitude. Again, we would bring in the sign to see, you know, what kind of flavor that had. But I would, I would caution people to um, recognize that the kinds of, you know, in, in any house shift, the kinds of things that you've been that have been feeding you right now are going to change. So start to pay attention to them and take them seriously. I like that idea of being in the mood to work because that really sums it up right there. Uh, in the mood, uh, yeah. How the progress moon works, the mood, yeah. the mood shift. Uh, because we might, you know, if you were reading that uh, kind of shift from a, you know, kind of old school astrology perspective, you, someone might read that as a, if you were a medieval astrologer or something, you might say, oh, it's going from having fun to having to work all the time and it's, right. you know, not going to feel good. And, <laughs> right. and yet, uh, I think we can all relate to that idea that, that there's a season for play and there's a season for work and there's something really deeply satisfying about doing good work. Exactly. Uh, at times. And, and we need that contrast. It can't just be all fun and games and vacation, you know. You know there's a season even, for that, too. Again, yeah, it's, it's going to be coming from inside of you. So this, there's going to be a desire to do that. It's not like life's going to force that on you, you know. Mm-hmm. Of course, the, the outer life mirrors the inner life. But as you become more in the mood to work, you're going to start saying, you know, what can I do to make a difference, you know. A lot of times people get really serious about their job or they change jobs or they get it, you know. They, they do something like that because the sixth house is our attitude towards work and what we do every day. And so they're going to want more meaning in that inherently. So I would might might actually talk to people about, um, you know, the, I, I would ask where their job is going right now, what they're doing right now, and, uh, you know, kind of say that, you know, is there room for growth there? It's not about promotion. It's not about career. It's, it's about the desire to do something important every day. Right, right. And to, to offer something back in service in yes. that sixth house arena of service. Yeah, so, and then I would look at whatever context that was in the life, you know, what kind of, again, what kind of jobs do you have, what do you do every day, you know, do they go to school, maybe I'd look there, they're, try- they're starting to get more serious about their classwork, 
whatever it is. Right, right. Well, that's a really good, um, solid example. And so you would be able to do that potentially for any shift in sign and house uh, oh, progressing into the next. Yes, it's very exciting for me, actually, as an astrologer, when I look and see somebody that, that has just experienced the shift or is about to, because it's such an exciting time. Mm-hmm. For them. Yeah, I think you can feel that um, as it's happening in your life. Yeah. Um, you know, just a, a personal example. I went uh, from a shift of the fourth house progress moon to the fifth um, earlier this year. And I definitely, you know, it took me a couple months to catch up with myself. It's like, wow, life is really lightening up. Yeah. And I completed a lot of projects and serious things that I was working on and, you know, being very internal and isolated as I was finishing my school and um, now it's like, oh, fifth house. This feels really nice. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Let's such have some change. fun. Let's lighten up. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that has a purpose too, of course. You know, it's not now it's time to relax. It's like relaxing is your purpose. <laughs> yes. And it feels like it. <laughs> yeah. Another personal example is um, actually when my uh, progressed moon moved from Libra to Scorpio, I found out that I was pregnant. Oh, wow. And that brought on a whole, uh, you know, deeper set of, of, uh, things to deal with in my life. You know, the gravity of my situation really hit me. And, and pregnancy was uh, difficult for me emotionally, but so wonderful. I, I have never changed that much, you know, in that two-year period as I did through that. So Scorpio being um, themes of transformation, you know, that, that aspect or the transformative aspect of Scorpio was really what touched your, your mood at that yes. time. Uh, the the realization that I would not be the same as I go through this process, and of course I'm not. Um, I did take a nice deep breath when my uh, progressed moon moved into Sagittarius because it was just simply lighter. Mm-hmm. You know, Scorpio uh, or eighth house they serve the deepest purpose, but they are they are not easy. No, and it only lasts two and a half years, and that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's the nice thing is these are yes. these are shorter seasons in a sense. Um, so, great, so. I guess in concluding, you know, talking about the progressed moon, how would you uh, say you use it to the most benefit in chart and interpretation? What are the most, you know, if you could kind of bullet point the, um, the most useful things you see about the progressed moon? Well, when I'm looking at a chart and I look for their progressed moon, I'll always look at uh, how long it's been, where it is, you know, if it's in Taurus, say if it just entered there, if it's about to exit. So I'll look for upcoming changes first. Mm-hmm. Then I'll look for, um, because that really lays the foundation of it being, you know, of, of something kind of a new season starting or, or one ending. Uh, then I'll look to see if it's touching any of the planets, if it's aspecting any of the planets, because that brings in more flavor as to what they're feeling right now. Yeah. And then, you know, at that point, once I feel like I have that, that emotional kind of backdrop, that foundation is where I'll look to other things, but always with that eye on that progressed moon. And then when I talk to people about it, of course, I start there, as I said, and get how they're experiencing that. Um, one thing that happens is that there's always themes that you're feeling during this time, during any given progressed moon time, and I'll discuss those, but then, you know, um, it's without fail, the client will say, yes, I'm, I'm having that feeling here, and they'll illustrate the specific situation that is coming up for them, and I can use that in the context to really, really bring it home for them, how they're feeling, why they're feeling it, and, uh, you know, what to do with that feeling. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really important aspect is, is possible ways to channel those feelings. Yes. That the would whole idea it. here is to um, make them aware of it so that they can, again, cooperate with the processes that are happening inside of them. Right. 
Well, um, in closing for you, I would just like you to talk a little bit about the current offerings that you have in terms of readings and workshops and, and the things that you're working on now. Okay. Um, well, the, my next workshop is actually going to be in September. Um, I'm looking around September 23rd, but that, that information will be on my website as soon as I get that all figured out. Um, the next workshop is going to be about the biopsychic script, mm-hmm. which is basically it, the progressed moon is part of that as, it, as we talk about the progressed lunar return. Again, that happens for everybody at age 28. Yeah. But I'm, I'm talking about in that workshop things that happen to everybody at about the same age. So it's really looking at the human life cycle, um, and the progressed moon will, of course, be a part of that. Then the last workshop I did was about just the progressed moon exclusively, and you can get that on my website. If people weren't able to attend, they can do that. Mm-hmm. The, the basic readings that I offer, um, I do relocation. Um, I do birthday readings. I do career readings. Uh, the, the bulk of it really is the, the natal reading, which is just the soul's whole journey. Yeah. And then uh, I, I do a current and future trends reading, which is where this progressed moon would be discussed, as well as anything else important going on for you. And, of course, relationship readings as well. Okay. Well, Amy, thank you so much for spending some time talking with me today, and I really appreciate your time. It's been wonderful. Thank you. If you've been enjoying this podcast, you'll also want to check out evolutionsofastrology.com. There you can subscribe to my monthly newsletter and find out more about my classes and astrology readings. I'm available to do readings via phone or in person, and all readings include a CD recording of the session. To contact me, you can reach me through the website at www.evolutionsofastrology.com.